it uh, simple and on task uh, for reaching the, the community and, and doing kingdom work. So, uh, but we are still planning everything, uh, kind of kicking up uh, the week after Labor Day, but um, we'll see how that plays out. Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. For the last two weeks, we've looked at chapter 1, which is uh, Jeremiah's uh, launching into the ministry. Uh, it is his call. Uh, it is his, uh, it is his uh, sending uh, into uh, the ministry. Beginning in chapter 2 and for the next uh, 20 chapters, uh, we have a catalog, we have a uh, selection uh, of the sermons uh, that Jeremiah preached uh, as he went out uh, to uh, to the people. And we're going to look, and we're going to have to move quickly. Um, we tried to put seat belts on the chairs, but they're not there, so just hang on uh, best you can. Uh, I'm, I'm going to cover uh, the entire second chapter this morning um, and look at this, uh, this sermon uh, that Jeremiah preached to uh, this first sermon. Uh, assume it was the first sermon uh, chronologically. We're not sure, but uh, believe this to be the first sermon uh, as Jeremiah goes out and calls uh, on the people of Judah uh, to repentance. And so as we uh, begin uh, in this, uh, we're just kind of, uh, just hang on if you will, uh, leave your Bible open to the second chapter, uh, and, and we're just going to kind of uh, take a, a, a 30,000 foot view, we're going to skim over the top uh, of this sermon, uh, and, uh, and when we get to the end of it, uh, we'll look for some application uh, and ask a few questions based on, um, <coughs> based on Jeremiah's sermon. Uh, he starts out uh, with uh, an important uh, reminder uh, for Judah. Uh, as he begins the sermon, he starts out really not uh, so much uh, calling them uh, to repentance, but reminding them uh, of where uh, they had been. Uh, and, and this is, I think, one of the things about this opening section, uh, as Jeremiah talks about how uh, in their past they had uh, been obedient, how in their past uh, they had been faithful. Uh, one of the things that, uh, that to me as I read that it does is it uh, further serves uh, to condemn uh, Judah uh, because Jeremiah says, you know better. Uh, your history shows uh, that you know better. Uh, and, and as I've told you, I think this, uh, the book of Jeremiah uh, and his sermons are, uh, are, are very appropriate uh, for our world, for in particular uh, the United States, for the church. Uh, in today's age. We know better. Uh, our past shows that. Our, uh, our history uh, shows that, uh, that we know better. We have done better uh, than we are doing uh, in our present age. And so Jeremiah says to him here, uh, beginning in verse 2, he says that the word uh, of the Lord came to him. And he says, go preach to it. Uh, he, and he says, I remember uh, the devotion of your youth. He says, in previous days, uh, you followed me. Uh, you were obedient. 
obedient. Uh, you loved uh, as a bride. Uh, and so what God says uh, is kind of an interesting, we still use this phrase, uh, God says, I remember the honeymoon. Uh, God says, I remember the good old days. I, I remember uh, when you began following me, uh, how you followed me in the wilderness, uh, how you uh, Israel was holy to God. Uh, you gave the, the, the first fruits of the harvest, uh, and, and you followed me. And so what God is recalling here, if you remember, uh, if you go back, he's talking about uh, their wilderness journey as they came uh, up out of, a- out of Egypt. Uh, God is saying, and we know, uh, if you've read the story, you know Israel was not uh, always perfect. They had their moments as they... As they came out of uh, Egypt during the Exodus, there were times uh, when they mumbled. There were times when they complained. Uh, there were times when they went so far as to say, we would rather uh, still be in Egypt. We'd be better off uh, in Egypt than out here in the wilderness. But by and large, uh, God says you were obedient. By and large, uh, you followed me. You had your moments. Uh, yes, you made a golden calf. Yes, you complained about Moses. Yes, you refused to come across uh, the Jordan into the promised land the first time. You had your moments, but by and large, uh, it was a good time. Uh, It was like a honeymoon. Uh, If some of you can uh, remember back and you think back to uh, early days, perhaps, of uh, of marriage when you were still on the honeymoon, uh, by and large, it was a good time. Every now and then, uh, you might have had a disagreement. You might have... Uh, had a little bit of uh, a trouble. She might not have liked how you uh, threw your dirty clothes in the floor or something, but overall, for the most part, it was a good time. Uh, you know, you, you, for the most part, uh, you got along. And so God says uh, of Israel, for there was a period uh, when basically uh, you were, we were getting along. You were doing what you were supposed to do. You were uh, obedient. And certainly uh, for many of us, uh, I think all of us probably, uh, we can say that about our, our, our Christian walk as well. Uh, when we were first saved, uh, we were kind of on a, a honeymoon, so to speak, and we were enjoying serving God. We were following God. Uh, we were obedient. We wanted to be in church. I mean, we might miss church every now and then. We might slip up uh, and, and falter every now and then. Uh, but for the most part, uh, we were doing pretty good. And so God says here, uh, I remember your prior commitment. You used uh, to follow me. You used to be uh, obedient. You used to do uh, what uh, you were supposed to. We can say that uh, about our nation. We can say that uh, about the United States. If you go back uh, in our history, uh, America hasn't always uh, been perfect, no claim to it. But if we go back in our history, we see a time uh, when uh, we were a lot more faithful to God than we are today. Let, let's just put it that way. I, well, uh, you know, we were a lot more obedient to the law of God. Uh, you know, the, the one example I've used repeatedly, uh, again, I think about all the time, 
uh, is uh, Alan Canopolis, the old uh, the fire siren up on top of Montgomery Ward's building, uh, the sign in the fire department that said, don't set off the siren between 11 and 12 on Sunday because you had Trinity Lutheran, First Presbyterian, and First Baptist right there in the middle of Trinity Methodist right down the street. Uh, excuse me, Kimball Lutheran, First Presbyterian, First Baptist, and Trinity Methodist right there around it. They said, we don't want to set the siren off. You, you, that, that was a different time. That, that, that was a different world that, that we lived in. And so there was a, a prior commitment. But then God moved very quickly. He asked Jeremiah move uh, from this prior commitment uh, on into their pending collapse. Look what he says uh, to him beginning in verse 4. He says, Hear the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, and, and all uh, the, the, the house of the Lord, uh, this of the Lord. What wrong did your fathers find in me that they went far from me and went after worthlessness and became worthless? I don't know if you've ever noticed this about God. But he doesn't have a problem with saying what's on his mind. What has happened that you became worthless? You became useless. He says, what? tell me. He says, what is it that your ancestors found in me that they could no longer serve me? What did I do wrong? Where did I, uh, where did I let them down? Where, where did I fail in my, uh, in, in my responsibility to your ancestors? What caused them? What was it that I did that caused you, them, uh, to leave me? They didn't say, where is the Lord who brought us up from the land of Egypt? who led us in the wilderness and the, the land of the desert and, and the pits and the land of drought and deep darkness and the land that none uh, passes through where no man dwells. And I brought you into a plentiful land to enjoy its fruits, its good things. Uh, but then you came in and you defiled my land and, and made my heritage an abomination. And so he says, I, I don't understand. What is it that has caused you to walk away from me? What is it that has caused you to turn away? I brought you out of Egypt. And he just summarizes very quickly all that he did. I brought you out of Egypt. I brought you through the wilderness. I brought water from the rock. I brought manna from the heavens. I brought quail from the heavens. I brought you over your enemies. I brought you through the Red Sea. I brought you across the Jordan. I drove out the enemies uh, from before you as you come into the Promised Land. And while you were out there in the wilderness wandering around, you followed me. But you got all of my goodies. You got all of my blessings. And then you defiled my land. Then you defiled my land. I did everything possible for you. I delivered you and I gave you all the things you needed. I provided everything for you. I provided a land that flows with milk and honey. And when you got there, you defiled my land. Even the priest, he says, didn't say, where is the Lord? He says, you, you the prophets, he says, they prophesied by Baal and went after things that do not profit. He says, I did all of those things for you. And yet when you got to the promised land, when you got here, 
and everything was placed in your lap. You came into this good land. I drove out all those people. I brought down the walls of Jericho. I brought you safely through the Jordan. I did all those things. And you got here. And you got everything from me. You took all my blessings. And then when you got here, you decided to worship another God. Even your priests, even the religious leaders, he says, went off and worshipped another way. Went off and followed another God. And so then we see, not only then their, their pending collapse, but that, that leads us then to the prosecutor's case. Here he lays it out. I told you, uh, John Phillips calls this uh, God's declaration of divorce. Here God's going to lay out his case. Beginning in verse 9, he says, I'm still contend with you, and with your children's children I contend. The, the, the cost uh, to the coast of Cyprus, and see, he goes on, has, his, has a nation changed its God, even though they are no God? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. You, you talk about a, a, a stinging accusation. God says here, show me one nation. Show me another nation anywhere on the map, crossed the coast of Cyprus, or send to Kedar and examine with care, he says, and see if there is such a thing. See if you can find anywhere a people that has ever changed gods. That's what he said. He says, has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? Here's what he's saying. I mean, Paraphrase that very clearly. He says, all the other nations, pick one. Go out and research. And all the other nations that are serving false gods, those that are no gods is what he says, they're serving false gods. And they are more loyal to the false gods than you are to the true God. <laughs> That's a gut punch right there, isn't it? They're more faithful to a tree stump than you are to a true God. They're more faithful to a statue than you are to a God that performed the plagues, that brought you through the Red Sea, that brought you through the wilderness, that brought you across the Jordan, that has delivered you into the Promised Land, has done all. They are more faithful to their statue. They're more faithful to their cow than you are to your faithful God. Could God stand before the United States of America today and make that same accusation? Could he stand up in the average church house this morning and make that same accusation? 
You are more faithful to your job than you are to your God. You are more faithful to pay your bills. You ought to pay your bills. You ought to be faithful to your job. Don't get me wrong. Than you are to your God. You're more faithful to your kids' ball games than you are your God. We may not have statues. We may not have tree stumps. We have a lot of things. You're more faithful to your dollar bill than you are your God. He says, you, 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 show me one other people. They worship false gods. And they won't abandon them. But you've abandoned the God that has delivered you. Be appalled. Be shocked. For my people, he says, have committed two evils. Here's his charges. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Now let me explain God's charge. He says, they have abandoned me. A fountain of living water. Me too, I'd give you an illustration. To let, Let's say you live in the wilderness, in the desert, where water is scarce. And lo and behold, you go out in your yard one day and you find a spring bubbling up right there in your backyard. I mean, it looks like that big pineapple thing up there at the hospital. I mean, the water just, just rolls out of that fountain. It just rolls up. You can go out there anytime you want in the middle of the desert. I mean, you got right there in your backyard. Do you think you'd ever move? What God says is the Israelites were living in a desert. And they had a spring in their backyard. And they packed up and moved to a house that only had a cistern. You know what a cistern is? A cistern was a hole you dug in the ground and you prayed that it would rain and fill up the hole in the ground so you could have some water. But notice what he says. I mean, that's not the worst thing to have. That's, that's better than nothing. But notice what he says. Not just a cistern, but a broken cistern. What he means by that is they had given up a house with a pool with a fountain in the backyard for a house with a hole in the ground that leaked. They would line those cisterns and sometimes the lining would crack and the rainwater that ran in would leak out into the ground. And so God says, you have left the living, me, the living water, not just for a cistern, 
but for a broken well, one that won't even hold water. He says, show me anybody that would do that. Show me anybody that would make that decision. He says, you have abandoned me. Is Israel a slave? Is he a homeborn uh, home servant? The lions have roared against him. They have made his land a waste. He says, you have brought this on yourself by forsaking the Lord. He says, you have done this to yourself. No one has done this to you. You have done this to yourself. And so he says, you have become apostate. You have become wicked. You have given up the living water for broken cisterns. You have walked away from uh, flowing living water uh, that, that, uh, that I provided for you. You have walked away from that so that you can have a broken cistern. He says, that's my charges against you. And so in verse 20, he goes on and he says, For long ago I broke your yoke, burst your bonds, but you said, I will not serve on every high hill, every every undergreen tree, and bow down uh, like an adulteress. Yet I planted you. Uh, your choice vine uh, of pure seed, how you have turned degenerate and become a wild vine. He says, I planted, planted you as a beautiful grapevine. You have become poison ivy. You have turned yourself into poison ivy. Listen, though you wash yourself with lye and use much soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me. He says, uh, again, he charges them with this charge. He says, uh, of them, they are unclean. How can you say I've not gone after Baals? Look at what you've done. He says, you're like a young camel running here and there. Anybody in here, I I don't know how many of you have had this grand pleasure. I never have chased a camel. But I have tried to catch a cow that got out of pasture. Anybody ever tried tried to chase a cow? You'd think them little rascals wasn't that smooth. But man, they they, they tough. They decide they don't want to go back in the fence. You, (laughs) it's all you can do to get them back. We had we had one years ago. I remember I called him Houdini. You know that that fence meant nothing to him. He's gone. You know. Listen, he says, you're out running around like a wild camel. Nobody can harness you in. Nobody can bring you you in. You just continue uh, to run wild. And he says, you you, you don't restrain your lust. And he he just continues to describe uh, their corruption here as he goes on. He says, as a, uh, as a thief, shame when caught, so shall the house of Israel be shamed, the kings, officials, priests, and prophets. He says, you have abandoned me. And again, what's, what, what's really shocking about all these accusations, and I'm having to, again, from the 30,000 foot mark, he's basically saying, you have abandoned the true God. And he uses all these examples to say you're running wild, chasing after false gods like even the heathen 
wouldn't do. He said they're faithful and loyal to follow their own gods. They're faithful to remain true and follow their gods. Now, he goes on, and, he says, and, and here he just asks, he says in verse 29, Why do you contend me? You've all transgressed against me. In vain have I struck your children. They took no correction. Your own sword devoured your prophets like a ravening lion, a new generation. Behold the word of God. Have I been a wilderness to Israel, or like there of darkness? When they do, my people say we are free. He says, you know what? I've already corrected y'all several times. I've already corrected you several times. And so let's think about for a moment this whole charge. He began by saying, I know you know better. We used to be on a honeymoon. Now you're running wild. And during that time, I've corrected you several times. And yet you continue to be disobedient. You continue to run wild. You continue to go off into, uh, into uh, disobedience. He says, I struck your children, and they took no correction. Your prophets. He says, I've continued to, 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 to discipline you and correct you over time. And instead of getting better, you got worse. Instead of getting better... You continue to get worse. You have continued to go downhill. Look what he says. Uh, you, you direct your course so that even wicked women, you have taught your ways. You have, in other words, have influenced other people. Uh, you have uh, harmed the poor. Uh, you say I'm innocent. You deny uh, all the accusations that I have done. Uh, you have continued uh, to be disobedient. And deny it the whole time. And then look at this final section. We see here that this pending correction that is coming on the people. As we look at, as we, as you finish this up, he says, "How much you go about changing your way, you shall be put to shame by Egypt, as you were put to shame by Assyria. From it too you will come away with your hands on your heads." For the Lord has rejected those in whom you trust, and you will not prosper by them. As you look at that second chapter, this first sermon that we have of Jeremiah, from, again, I would encourage you, go home and read it closely. But this morning we've looked at it from a 30,000 foot view. It's very easy to see how God would be angry with Judah. How he would be angry with his people. As we summarize what he says. I brought you out of Egypt. I delivered you. And we had a good time. Oh, you were occasionally disobedient, but for the most part, you were pretty good. And then you actually got to the promised land, and you lost your minds. You went crazy. And you run around like a wild camel. And you deny that you're doing it. But judgment is coming. Now, as we look at that quick synopsis, 
of God's words to Judah. Do you think we could take, and with just a little bit of effort, take that same story, that same sermon, and preach it on the steps of the Capitol in Washington, D.C.? You are a nation that once upon a time we were on a honeymoon. You go back and you read our founding documents of this country, almost every one of our states of the original 13 colonies, colonies had in their constitution at one time to be the governor. You had to be a professing Christian. Many of you in this room are old enough to remember much of that honeymoon. You've heard your grandparents and your great-grandparents talk about it. How things were different. Go back and read the history of our nation. You don't have to go back far. You know what the number one problem in schools in the 60s was? Chewing gum. Today, it seems like almost every day, I hear of another case of a young girl being raped in a school in Charlotte. And sometimes by the teachers. We've certainly got over to honeymoon. And the bad thing is, just like Judah, if you were to go out and ask the average person, Oh, we're good. We're nowhere near as bad as them people over there. This same sermon that Jeremiah preached to Judah could be preached in America. But let me dig a little deeper. Could that same sermon, should and could, be preached in pretty much every church in America. There was a time when we were on the honeymoon, when if the doors were open, we were here. It was the most important thing in our week. Serving God, reading the Bible, prayer, nothing came before those things. And then we got, it seems, to the promised land. And like Israel, we lost our mind and became a rambling camel. And the whole time, we're saying, well, I'm not that bad. I'm better than so-and-so. But let me dig a little deeper. Not just could this same sermon be preached in the United States. Not just could this same sermon be preached in most churches. But could this same sermon be preached to most of us? Was there a time in your life when you were on your honeymoon with God?
when prayer was a priority, when reading and studying God's Word was important, when being with God's people mattered, when sharing your faith, witnessing to others was a priority, And somehow, some way, we've arrived in the promised land, we think. And like Judah, we have lost our minds and become rambling camels. And the whole time, we're thinking, well... I'm not as bad as so-and-so. I'm not like them. And God is trying to get our attention this morning and say, I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to judge you. I'm going to punish you. You know what you do to camel or a cow or in particular let's use the biblical example you know what the shepherd would do to a sheep that continued to ramble off and continued to get lost you know what the shepherd would do tell them Tommy so they don't think I'm making it up break break your leg that didn't sound like Tommy but it'll work a sheep that continued to ramble off and lead the rest of the herd, rest of the flock into danger. The shepherd would break their leg. Better to have the... You've seen those images many times of the shepherd with the sheep around its neck? That was why. Better to have a broken leg. You said, that's cruel. Better to have a broken leg than to be devoured by a wolf. Folks, the phrase the Bible uses is we have left. Remember that phrase in the book of Revelation? We have left, we have lost our first love. The church of Jesus Christ, God's people, need to repent. Go back to those honeymoon days. following Jesus. I want to ask you to bow your heads this morning. The musicians are going to come. And I want to invite you this morning to come and to pray. Pray for our nation. Our nation that desperately needs revival, that has left behind our honeymoon and began to run like a wild camel. Pray for our churches. Pray for your church. Pray for yourself. God, stir in me a revival. I remember those days 
take me back to the honeymoon. Take me back to the time when I was just head over heels falling in love with you. You're here today, you're online, you don't know Jesus Christ personally as your Savior. Today would be a great day to start that honeymoon. Today would be a great day to come and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart to save you, to cleanse you, to forgive you from your sin and to start a walk with Him. If you don't know Him, would you come? If you're online, would you drop us a message, an email, a comment? We'll reach out to you, get you some material. Stop running around like a wild camel, and let's go back to the honeymoon. Father, we thank You for the day You've given us, Lord. God, we thank You for the words of Jeremiah. Lord, while we've skimmed over them quickly this morning, God, it's very easy to quickly see how relevant they are to our life, to our world today. God, that we have left behind our first love. We've forgotten the honeymoon. God, we've got to the promised land. We've got to where everything is easy and things are going good and we've taken our minds and our hearts, our eyes off of you. God, I pray, Lord, that you'll stir up in us a desire for revival, repentance. God, that we'd recommit ourselves to you. God, Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, cried over the condition and the fate of his people. God, bring tears to our eyes. Break our hearts. God, like Jeremiah, as we see the condition and the future of those around us that don't know you. We'll give you the honor for what you do, for it's in Jesus' lovely name I pray. Amen.
social justice. You got somebody that agreed to, you know, hug their neck and kiss you in the mouth, uh, you know, go for it, own your husband or wife or whatever. But, you know, somebody, somebody else may not be that comfortable. Uh, and so just keep that in mind. Keep praying that we're having my guys from churches around us um, and we really try to uh, stay safe here. Uh, I need a couple, just two or three volunteers to take you all of 10 seconds uh, for what I need this morning. Um, and uh, if you'll run up here real quick, we can see as I pray. Uh, I said, 10 seconds. That's all we got. Uh, I'm most part, 10 seconds. Two or three people, I just want, I want to try something real quick. And uh, so, just uh, a couple of people, um, really, uh, we'll you for that one. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for being here.